When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Out of Character, a podcast about sketch and character comedy. My name is Alex Lynch. In this show, I chat to writers and performers from the world of sketch and character comedy. Find out what made them venture into it, talk about their characters, maybe meet some of their characters, and generally just shoot the breeze and, more importantly, have a laugh. My special guest for episode 20 is the writer-performer Ellie White. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I didn't know when to come in then. No, that's all right. <laughs> it's uh, I, I kind of made a rub for my own bat by having to have a, a spiel every time. <laughs> oh, it's nice. It's, it's friendly. It's light. It's explanatory. It's it's perfect, Alex. Thank you. Uh, how are you, Ellie? I'm incredibly well. I feel alive. I feel fresh. I feel privileged to be here. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. We'll we'll get the the lockdown chat out the way. How has your lockdown been? Well, I feel like I'm I I've been out of lockdown for quite a long time now. I suppose have we yes. been out of lockdown? I don't want to be controversial. I guess we and, have. Yeah, <laughs> admit something. But no, I um, lockdown was hard. Mm. It was um, for me. I am quite a sort of sociable person, I suppose. So I found it quite tough at times. But yeah. having said that, it allowed me to find time and space <laughs> and really get to know myself. Um, no, it didn't. It just made me anxious and scared. <laughs> but I mean, you know that about yourself. Yeah, true. So true. I, guess I think I already knew that, though. Um, but you've been keeping busy, haven't you? You've been... Um, c- uh... Yes. Last year, I was writing a lot um, when I think filming was really really impossible and really hard I was I was writing my 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 writing partner Natasha and I were writing our sketch show which we are yet to film but we will film later this year hopefully Great. and um so I was writing that last year and then this year I've been doing a bit more filming um so that's kept me busy which has been nice that's terrific yeah uh, we'll move on to um you and Natasha's sketch show like uh, it's a rare thing now to have a yeah. your own sketch show on television. Yeah. How has that been? Well, I mean, it hasn't been out yet, so God knows what people will make of it. But um, the uh, the writing process and kind but the of, writing is yeah. the writing is joyful, like actually joyful. Um, you know, writing a sketch show is actually a dream is is really a dream come true. I think that I grew up watching sketch shows. Smack the Pony, The Fast Show, Harry Anfield, that kind of thing. French and Saunders. So, um, like Vic and Bob, you know. So it was like, that was where I where I felt most comfortable when I first started writing. Because they're small ideas. They're, they can often just be based around one joke or one concept or one character. Mm. Um, so they're very fun to write sketches and 
they play into all of my possibly skills as like a performer and also my <laughs> lack of attention because I can be like, okay, I'll write that sketch. Good, it's two pages done, move on to the next. <laughs> Rather than having to sustain some sort of long narrative or <laughs> plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, in terms of, because obviously you've done a lot of sketches uh, online. Yeah. With this show, presumably you're writing um, to a kind of, to a framework, aren't you? To a... Um... Well, sort of, but actually like really nicely, we haven't, we've got kind of a vague structure. We, we I don't, without wanting to give too much away, plot sure, spoilers, um, <laughs> we kind of have a vague structure to each episode, but generally there's a lot of freedom to how we write. It's really just like, if you come up with a funny character, write a sketch around it. Or if you come up with a funny idea, write a sketch around it. You know, it's mm. not formulaic or it doesn't have to, uh, we're not trying to do anything clever particularly yeah. in the episodes. Uh, they're quite standalone. So I think that some, um, there's going to be, uh, for example, in the pilot, we had a vague structure, which was like, when Tash and I are talking as ourselves, we have a couple of sketches where we're speaking like as ourselves, having a chat. Oh yeah, that will kind of link to the last sketch of the episode. But that's pretty much it. That's great. Has character comedy been something you've kind of always been interested interested in? Like always doing that from a young age, or was that yeah. something a bit that came in a bit later? Well, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know character comedy in that term existed sure until i first went to the fringe and watched people and was like oh my god that's what i want to do but when i was younger um and doing you know school plays or like youth theater and stuff i'd always play a kind of cameo silly character or like mm. someone that came on that wasn't necessarily the main part but like had funny bits and i was always drawn to those kinds of people that i could kind of make my own and make a world around and just be like yeah there's a play going on but I've got my own play <laughs> and it's my own character that might not necessarily have anything to do with the plot but I'm gonna get some laughs out of the audience that's what I want from this so it's very selfish very self-indulgent um, but that's what I was really drawn to and also I loved watching um like I had this thing called that I used to I used to record on cassette tape my own like radio station called Radio Thirty Seven, oh, yeah. which was like just characters basically, just like me just doing stupid voices and essentially just copying stuff I'd seen on TV a lot of the time. But it had its own soap. <laughs> I did like adverts. I did like dating profiles. So it was a lot of that kind of shit when I was growing up. <laughs> and then I loved watching like the day to day and and brass time those oh, yeah. guys playing so many characters and like Paul Calf and you know I, I just was very clearly drawn to it and then when I went to the fringe for the first time I saw a few shows of like you know character comedians in in a in that sort of format and was like yes oh my god that's a laugh <laughs> that's an absolute laugh and do you remember who those character comedians were that you saw I saw Colin Holt was like the first like oh my God, mic drop moment in mm. my brain. Um, a sketch group called Ginger and Black. They were incredible. And who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? 
Well, like I do, I did, like I was at university when I went and the, I went to see like footlights and mm-hmm. stuff. Yes. Basically just people doing like sketch and character stuff on stage. Like some improv, I think I went to see like the Edinburgh Improverts. They were like an improv group from Edinburgh University. Mm-hmm. It was just mind blowing that you could go on stage and do that. I didn't know that format existed and it was quite exciting. And then I joined my university sketch group, I think a couple of years later, um, and started like writing my own sketches and characters and things and like, you know, devising things with other people. And that's really where the journey began. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell us some more about um, your university sketch group? Yes, it was... Um, called Bristol Reunions. I went to University of Bristol Mm -hmm. and it was run by a magnificent lady called Charlie Perkins who still works in comedy actually. She works for um, Blink Productions and she's just making Uh, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared into a TV series. It was run by her and Jamie Dimitri who is now a writer, BAFTA winning um, comedy writer. And um, Joe Hampson, who is also a award-winning writer. He co-wrote Feel Good with Mae Martin. And um, yeah, and they were in it. And then they cast me and Charlotte Ritchie, who is also an actress. Mm-hmm. Now, and an amazing performer called Oscar Jenkins Jones, who um, is one of the funniest people I know. And... Another guy called Matt Ewins, who's also a brilliant comedian. And they cast us in the group and we we wrote a show together and went to Edinburgh and most nights it completely bombed. (laughs) I still I still feel confident that it was it was a funny show. (laughs) (laughs) The world wasn't ready for it. The world wasn't ready for our wit. (laughs) <laughs> um, no there were some diabolically bad sketches and some better ones um, but yeah most of the time I think it, it we were on at like 11.30pm in the Pleasance Courtyard and we mainly just got drunk Scottish people being like shouting at us so we weren't ready for it, <laughs> we ready for it. <laughs> did you fit into that late night sketch riot category? 100% not like it was, we, it was definitely like a surreal show that was nice like it it was it was nice it wasn't nasty there wasn't the like someone's pulling their pants down moment there weren't sure. cunts um it wasn't <laughs> rude it was just like six students yeah trying their best <laughs> basically and we used to we just used to like get so we we were all filled with like a lot of shame and like we really we really took it seriously like we I think all of us were quite ambitious, you know, quietly ambitious. And I think we all really wanted to be performers. And we we were like, we're here to like, you know, start our careers. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a joke. We weren't fucking around, Alex. We were like, we're, we're here to... <laughs> This wasn't fun. <laughs> no, this wasn't fun. So like if a show went really badly, we would we wouldn't go out and get pissed. We would like go back to the flat and try and rewrite it and just have our heads in our hands and be like <laughs> Oh God. Oh God, our careers are over. It's like we were 20. We were 20. They shouldn't have even begun. But I think it was like that year in Edinburgh, you know, it was like Bo Burnham was there. Oh, wow. Doing 
a show. He was only about 17. And I, he was so brilliant and amazing. And I think we were all about the same. No, only a couple of years older than him. And I think we were like, well, we, we all want to be doing that. That's what we all want to be doing one day. But why, why shouldn't that one day be now without realising you need a lot of time to get to that level? <laughs> and he'd probably been performing since he was about 12. Yeah. So we were like, we were, we, were, we, were, we were kind of expecting the results without putting in the years of gr- like hard graft. <laughs> but mind you, it sounds like you guys were quite, I don't know, sort of like well disciplined creatively to like go back and and be working on the show and like what doesn't work and everything. I would say that was more Jamie than than the rest of us. <laughs> he was very driven. He was he was a hard taskmaster. Oh wow! So it, was that? Did you just do that one year in Edinburgh? And then we did we did the follow. Well, me me Jamie and and Oscar did the following year with two other guys, but the rest all left. <laughs> and no one ever heard of them again. <laughs> they finished Bristol, and Charlotte had, like got a job doing fresh meats, and we were like, "Well, she could back off. She's got a TV yeah. show. Not bitter <laughs> at all. No, we're still good friends. Don't worry." <laughs> um, but, That's really yeah. cool. I didn't realise you went to uni with Charlotte Ritchie. That's, yes, yeah, yeah. It's really cool because you're all still like working together. Yeah, it's really it is nice. It's nice. It's a horrible, exclusive, cliquey university group. <laughs> you forgot incestuous. And, and incestuous, very incestuous. <laughs> The next uh, year with um, with Jamie, what was yeah. uh, what was that show then? Was that that was uh, also reunions? It ah, was, right. It okay. was, yeah, it was um, another sketch. It was like you know another university review, mm. um, uh, and it was also similarly kind of shit, but quite funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I I actually think that show, like some of the sketches in it, I'm like I would love to redo them on stage now because I genuinely think they were like. Works of genius. <laughs> Did you have uh, characters that you uh, stole the show with? No, I mean, I, I was quite shy back then. So I don't think I I really came into my own. And also I was the only girl. And I think that, not to blame it on the boys at all, but I think sometimes you are a bit of a... You're a I tried not to fit into that stereotype, but I think sometimes you just inevitably do. Oh no, for sure. Because I went to watch um, in 2016. I went to watch a Footlights show, mm. and there were ten performers mm. and one woman. But oh, that's insane. Yeah, I thought I thought universities were supposed to be getting more progressive. I know, I know, and I mean, she was the best one. But it's kind of like you you have to be. Yeah. To, like in, in, throw it into something like that. You have to be. I mean, like I don't think I actually. You know, I don't want to throw the boys under the bus. I really don't think they ever thought I'm less funny or like I'm less capable of writing or whatever. I think number one, I think as a woman, like coming into the world of comedy is scarier. So there were fewer women auditioning Mm. Um, uh, just because I I don't think it's actually like that anymore. I, I think the 10 years since I've been doing comedy, like there's so many women who do it now. And, but actually certainly when I started, there weren't as many and yeah. you were still getting a lot of oh you're funny for a girl type comments which I oh actually don't doesn't, don't really think happens as much anymore it probably does to some people but it doesn't really happen as much and there's been such a drive over the last 10 years to be you know to, to kind of break those sort of prejudices and stop 
perpetuating this insane myth that women aren't funny. But I think at the time, and also in, you know, I, I kind of, I, as a person, as a personality, am filled, you know, with a lot of self-doubt, lack of self-confidence, you know, which is, which has got better over the years. But certainly when I was starting out, I was like, can't do this I can't go on stage and make people laugh that's insane I don't know whether that's a personal affliction or whether that is actually like a female affliction you know that you're you are like just a bit less like drawn to a career like comedy because it's it's so kind of insane and scary and it was so male dominated yeah but I think that obviously women shouldn't have those fears and hopefully that's massively changing but I, I had like so many like female heroes. Like I still had like, you know, Jennifer Saunders and Dawn French and Julia Davis and like mm. all of the people from Smack the Pony. I was never like, oh, women can't do that or women can't be funny. Yeah. I think it was just like when I auditioned for reunions, for instance, there was only about three girls doing it compared to about 60 boys. So it were, and, and I think that men just naturally come in with more, I don't want to, this is, this is a hugely, hugely generalized point. I'm not saying all men are like this, but yeah. I think generally it's like, I'm a funny guy. I can make people laugh, like, listen to me. Yeah. Whereas I think women come in more with a sort of like, is this funny guys? And it usually is funnier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is why it's so great that you and Tush uh, and also Lazy Susan yeah. are like the only British sort of comedy double act I can think of that has their own sketch yeah. TV show coming up because yeah. it's so um there was always there would always be that comparison um of you know sort of yes yesteryear it's like any funny female double act and it's like yeah. oh they're like French and Saunders yeah, yeah and they're definitely. not there have been yeah, so yeah. many good people since French and Saunders and no yeah. disrespect to French and Saunders they are great but it's yeah yeah you kind of want to go like are we you know like you know comparing us to like I don't know, Anna and Katie, or like, not even women, but like other people who are other sketch shows that have happened yeah. in the last few years. It's like, it's, yeah, it's such a, it's, there's been such a dearth of good sketch, good sketch shows on TV. Not a dearth of good sketch shows on stage, I might add. Like, there's been brilliant sketch shows on stage over the last like 20 years, but for some reason they haven't been given the opportunity to be translated on onto tv or if they have they haven't like worked or had the the you know haven't translated to like a wider audience so i don't know why it's it just doesn't help when you have there was an article you might have seen it recently i think it was the telegraph it was the telegraph and they said why doesn't britain make good sketch shows anymore and it's like well, they do. If you actually yeah. bothered to do your research, yeah, yeah. just because it's not on TV doesn't mean it's yeah. not happening. Also, I think that now there's, you know, there's so much online and like YouTube, there's like brilliant stuff on YouTube and like people are just putting stuff onto like Instagram and TikTok and stuff. But I think that, yeah, I think, I don't know if this, that's a, I think it's a great thing because people can just be like, oh yeah, look at this funny tweet and this funny character that someone's come up with. But, you know, it's not a, that's not an industry and that's not paying people and that's not a career. No. So I think that it's this kind of double-edged sword because I'm like, oh, it's so much more accessible and great and, like, people can get millions of views off, like, a really funny character. But at the same time, I'm like, will anyone watch my show? <laughs> will anyone watch a three-minute sketch anymore? <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre. Like, I... Um... 
and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts Nick because you're not um you're not big on social media are you or are you no I don't I actually no. don't have any social media anymore. no and I think that's really refreshing um do you um have you had people sort of say to you oh you should do characters on Instagram or TikTok or whatever I think I to be honest I think if I was start I don't want to also never say never like mm, in mm. a couple of years when my work dries up or two months when my work dries up <laughs> uh, when when my sketch show gets released I get cancelled and I am um, back to square one I probably yeah never say never like I have no idea what the longevity of this career is like with this such changing landscape of how people consume things Although having said that, I think people watch TV still and still love watching films and TV and stuff. But yes. I think sketch is difficult because I think that that really is, you know, people do watch TikTok and YouTube so much more. And obviously you can get a lot of views from like putting your sketches online and them getting shared. But I think that, oh, you didn't ask me that. Why do, do I do it online? I think if I was starting out now, I definitely would. Um, but... I can't be asked. No, no, sure. But, 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 um, <laughs> fin- finish the the thought you had before what you were you were saying about with um, with online because I think the thing is um, there are two takes on it. One is that it's uh, yeah, it does sort of like you know help build your presence online profile, etc., mm. etc. Et but at the same time, once you do it, you kind of get stuck in a kind of hamster wheel. I agree. And also, like, where does it go from there? Because can you translate that into a TV show? Yeah. Or can you translate that onto stage? Uh, sometimes, like, sometimes people can. May- people get book deals now, don't they, from, like, Twitter and stuff like that? Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I think you have to think about, like, can I make money off this? And I think some people have been amazing at, at doing that. Um, and there are, like, people that get so many views on their videos. But I... I'm yet to see someone translate that into a wider kind of medium. And I think that writing for TV is really different than making like a 20 second video. YouTube was around when we were starting out and we, we used to put, post a few videos on YouTube and things like that. Yeah. Um, and we probably would do more like TikTok stuff, I think, if we were starting out now. But it was so much more of a scene going and doing live that it was more enjoyable and there was more community to it and like you met so many people and it was you know that that's been hard during the pandemic so I can understand why people would move to like more social media but yeah I personally find social media like uh, the reason I quit was because I was like oh god this is a hellhole at times and then I just randomly just sort of deleted all my accounts and sometimes I'm like oh come on Ellie that they come up with this idea for a tweet and I'm like, that would be brilliant. That would be so funny. And I'm like, oh, you can't do that. And then sometimes I'm like, thank God I'm not on Twitter at the moment. Thank Christ yeah. I'm not there to see people shout at each other. <laughs> I think the, uh, as well, like when you have that creative, when you have those creative ideas and everything, surely you'd, you'd rather put them into a script or something that, as you say, has more longevity. I think so. I, I think it's, I think it's, for me, like if I had Instagram and I, I, I don't know, I took a funny photo, I'd put it on my Instagram, like a stupid photo of like my finger in a tiny shoe. Like I put that <laughs> on Instagram. But like if I thought of a great character, yeah, I wouldn't. I'd be like, okay, this could be something that I could use in a script, yes. rather than 
you know, being like, I put that on Instagram and then loads of people can copy it. And then I get no credit really. And then it just goes into the ether. Yeah. They just become memes basically. Like become like memes into the big black hole of the internet. I, th- I don't know what will happen to comedy, like comedy, comedy. Like I do feel a bit nervous about the future of comedy on TV. Yeah. Because I think that there's definitely like a shift in what is termed as comedy now and like what people want to watch and what people prefer to keep online. And I think, I do think comedy is like people have less of an appetite for it on TV or they seem to like, I think, you know, people want to watch things that are more dramatic that have like comedy tinges, but aren't out and out funny. Yeah. And then reserve their humor for like online or like tidbits that they'd seen online or like a funny character that they would seen online or a funny tweet or a meme. Uh, I hope that's not the way it's going, but because I'm a pessimist, that's what I'm like thinking in my brain is sort of the trajectory of like where, where maybe comedy is going. And I read an article recently that nearly gave me a panic attack about post comedy, which was like, yeah, which was talking about how, yeah, comedy on TV doesn't exist anymore and people want to watch stuff that isn't necessarily made to make them laugh it's just going to make them think more and i was like will i will i be sick oh god that's so depressing yeah it's it's mad because even just like repeats of faulty towers yeah uh got so many views and like i don't know i mean i I, when friends came on to Netflix. Yeah. I think there is still the appetite there. I think people like nostalgia. So I do think people like, I watched Blackadder recently and I was like, God, this is like, you know, it's really making me laugh. It's yeah. so stupid. But if this show was made now, would I tune into it and would I would I find it funny? I don't know. Like there's something, there's something about enjoying the kind of datedness of those kinds of shows, which is joyful. But if it was on TV and I was watching Blackadder, would I be like, oh, why is this show made? It's got so many white men in it. Like, this is shit. Like, that's that wasn't that's not a funny joke. Like, that's a kind of, like, you know, bum bum chur punchline. Like, why has it got this canned laughter? Like, all of that kind of stuff. I think that we've got so many lenses through which we view things and consume things now that it's it's easy to watch things and go like, I remember when that first came out, how much I enjoyed that because yeah. it was so sort of innocent and new. And then now you watch it through those eyes. I don't think you necessarily watch it through a like, I don't know, that's just a theory. No, but I think I think it's definitely it's definitely valid. It's um yeah, that is that is very true. Nostalgia is is a big part of it, as you say. But I'm also, I'm saying, like, I I put on Liam Williams' new series of Ladhood the other day and, mm-hmm. like, laughed my head off. Like, mm. it's a very funny, very good new comedy show. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Wicked, that's really exciting. I, I, I still think that there's there's so much to do and so much that can be reinvented. And I don't think that has to be in, like, a comedy drama format. I think that can be in a Absolutely. pure comedy format. Yeah, I mean, um, um, Ghosts and Motherland. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think it's it's basically with comedy, you're going to lose a lot of audience if they don't find it funny. And it's so subjective often that if you, you know, uh, if you sit down a million people to watch a show that's quite nuanced in its humour, 
you're going to lose a lot of that audience because they don't find it funny. Whereas a comedy drama, you know, if it's not consistently trying to make you laugh, yeah. people are going to stay with it for for longer because they're like not cringed out by stuff they don't find funny. That's very true. People don't get uh, as angry about yeah. a bad drama as they do about no. a, a comedy they don't like. No. No. I mean, people get very, very irate about comedy that they think <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you had to be isolated with any comedy character, who would it be? Oh, my God. Hmm. I mean, I I find Alan Partridge the funniest character of all time. So, <laughs> and I don't think he's, like, particularly malign either. So I think that, like, quite a lot of characters that I also like are quite, like, mean or mean-spirited or just, like, annoying. Yeah. I think Alan Partridge, I could just sit back and, like, really, really, really <laughs> laugh at. So I think that would be great. That's brilliant. Uh, where would you lock down with him? I'd lock down. Hopefully he has... Didn't he do a podcast recently where he was like in his really nice big Lake District? In the Oast House. Yeah, in the Oast House. I'd be in there with him. And he's quite Amazing. practical, so he could and he has cars and he likes to go out and stuff. So I'd have a bit, I've had quite a lot of space. And he's he'd be very entertaining, I think. Would you uh watch James Bond films with him? Yeah, exactly. Do James Bond marathons. <laughs> you know, watch him unravel a lot, which would be great. That's brilliant. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. What were you expecting? Oh, no, it's just, it's just, um, uh, in the past, a lot of people have said, you know, positive American characters, like, oh, you right. know. Um, no, I think that's really, I think that's really refreshing. <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's great. <laughs> To uh, go back to uh, after university, and did you do um, did you do a solo show in Edinburgh? Yes, I yes. did. I did. Um, so after university, I kind of I, I left being like obviously performing is what I love, but it's not a career. I can't make a career out of it. So I sort of moved to London and did a few like odd jobs here and there. And then I started working for a comedy club 
in Leicester Square, London's Leicester Square. Oh, yeah. And I worked on the door and I just sort of, you know, what would watch all the shows. And I was like, I don't want to fucking work on the door. I want to do what they're doing. And so I, I kind of quit that. And then I went to Edinburgh that summer and I did, you know, gigs. Like I, I did, I wrote a character and yeah. I did a few sort of 10 minute gigs. And then the following year I did like a half an hour show. And then the year after that, I did like a full hour I think that was 2014, oh, wow. uh, which was like multiple characters and like, um, you know, just me twatting around on stage in a Mexican restaurant <laughs> in the Free Fringe. <laughs> As is standard for... Yeah, exactly. Uh, do you remember what your first character was? Yes, it was an Australian motivational speaker called Eileen Gass. Brilliant. And... Um, I wrote it, like, really, really scripted it. And then honestly <laughs> just couldn't, like, because I was so scared of going on stage, for the first, like, 20 shows, I literally did not meander from the script. It was just exactly the same every time because I was, I would just, like, read it, read the script, like, 80 times before I went on stage and then would go on stage and, like, and I was—I used to get so nervous before. I, I still do get quite nervous before I go on stage, but I think it took a long time for me to feel like loose enough to like play around on stage and like you know change my act up a bit and like improvise a bit. Like it was—it was very rigid. I mean, I think it was fine. Like it wasn't like I was dying, but it and, and the jokes were landing and stuff. But it was like you know very very scripted you you're not allowing yourself to go off piece yeah i still like no i still i don't get me wrong i still always script my shows always but i i think like as you go on you kind of you sort of have more you're like oh it means less like every gig means less like the more you do you're like oh you know what it doesn't it doesn't doesn't mean life or death this gig in in this like pub yeah. above with four people in the audience so i'm gonna have fun <laughs> rather than like be like okay if i don't sk- stick to the script my life is going to end uh, which is what i used to think <laughs> <laughs> that's really fascinating because i mean you're a really good improviser and you you know you've done shows like um murder in successful and uh one i was really fond of which was glitchy oh yeah <laughs> I think you might be the only person who watched watched Glitchy. <laughs> it's you, Colin Holt, Gabby Best, and Ryan Sampson. I mean, yeah. those shows are. There is a lot of improv in those. Yeah, but shows. I think that was. I think personally, I find TV like way less scary than stage. Right. Like I find I find stage like incredibly scary. I don't know. I don't really know why. Because it's so immediate. It's so immediate, yeah. And if something flops, like you're going to know about it. Whereas TV, you can kind of do it again or work it out for a while or or just forget it happened. Mm. Or just like sort of like make your peace with the fact that maybe that thing isn't funny. Whereas on stage, it's like a joke flops or no one laughs and you you immediately are like, I'm a failure, I'm a piece of shit. Oh my God, what am I doing on stage? Everyone hates me. I think, they think I'm shit. Look at their faces. They want... <laughs> They want they they want someone else. What am I doing here? God, why am I wearing this wig? I'm a complete prat. Like, <laughs> let me dive into a black hole of shame. 
for me never to return mm. to humanity. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I also think that, you, you know, like it took me a long time to find the confidence to be able to improvise, basically. And yeah, I love improvising. And that's how all of my characters start. You know, it's just me mm. talking into a computer, like working out what the funniest lines are, or like me speaking in, you know, talking to myself for ages and being like oh that's funny I'll write that down or like when Tash and I do it we just sit and improvise for hours like that is you are going to get funny stuff it's just going to be it's it's not always funny yeah and so scripting it 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 gives you more security in a medium that is like very very scary going on stage absolutely have you um did you do um sort of like live improv have you done no Wow. I don't think I ever would. <laughs> too, uh, too, too scared? Too scared. Yeah, too scared. <laughs> too scared. And I, I, I don't know. I like, I'll leave it to the, to the good improvisers. I don't need to inflict my kind of try hard <laughs> improv skills on, on the, uh, you know, like it's a real skill. Like people learn to do it, don't they? Mm. Uh, I'll just yeah. leave them to do that. <laughs> Hello. Cassandra here. We're both mums and we're both fanatic about our kids, but we're also fanatic about our health. We're absolutely bonkers about a healthy, balanced lifestyle and keeping our bodies as small and as clean Mm -hmm. as possible. Okay? Okay. Because as we always say, the smaller the mum, the smaller the problems. So, uh, I mean, I'm presuming you met Tash through, through Jamie. Yes. How did you sort of become a comedy duo so we were both doing um separate shows like we were both doing solo shows and we were both like developing kind of separately but we were good friends and and you know we we hung out we may have even lived together yeah we did live together and how could I have forgotten that no we did live together (laughs) for a bit and I think we were just like both kind of unemployed or like nannying and just like waitressing and and then coming home every night and just sitting and being like this is funny or this was a funny thing that happened or this was hilarious and then I I don't know like we just sort of realized that we had similar takes on things or like similar I mean Tash and me do have different senses of humor but we combine on a lot of stuff as well yeah and I think that we basically, I had this Eastern European, like very, very, very nervous Eastern European character that I used to do live. And Tash oh, yes. had this like really, really like outspoken, outrageous sort of Greek character that she used to do live. Yeah. And someone had a character comedy night and they were like, oh my God, you two should do your characters like together. And we were like, well, okay, that, that could be <laughs> quite fun. Like, because we both get sort of so nervous doing gigs. Like maybe it'd be fun if we did it together. Mm. And then we just wrote the sexy American girls who were the, oh, yes. they essentially like those characters combined. And they were <laughs> like, I was really, really nervous. She was really like outrageous and like grinding. And it was, I don't know. They just, it just seemed to work and people really liked it. And then we, we carried on doing it and we carried on doing those characters. And then we were like, Oh, why don't we just do an Edinburgh show? together Mm. but like make it fun like let's not do a full hour like let's not make us eligible for any sort of awards like let's just have fun doing it and obviously like it's not always fun because you're still having to perform and write a show but it was just like a joyful experience because we would just go on stage and experiment every night 
and it felt like we were constantly coming up with new stuff or constantly being like, oh, these characters are funny or these characters are fun. And it was like, oh, yeah, that, that feels more fluid and alive and like exciting than, you know, than sort of... Tightly scripted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we just carried on doing gigs together and like enjoying the gigs and That's like brilliant. having a laugh together. And then we got off the pilot, which was very nice. So what I've got here is some Tupperware boxes. I keep about 4,000 of these in my kitchen at any time. Now, what I like to do is keep my Tupperware box completely empty, okay? And that's my lunch. Okay, now remember, everything you've touched will be sodden with germs. So make sure you keep your gloves on at all times. And anything you have come into contact with must go into every mum's best friends, the handy vat of acids. <laughs> Was that in 2015? We did our show, I think, in 2015. Yeah, because I came to that in Edinburgh. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh. yeah. It was brilliant. Nice. I really. Oh, uh, that's nice. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was. I think we. I think on the first night we went on stage with the script. <laughs> <laughs> it was so lackluster, but it was very fun, and it was. It was like a tiny little room, and it was free fringe, so we didn't invest any money in it, and I think we actually ended up making money. Um, so, and we didn't invite any reviewers and it was just like, oh yeah, this feels like what, what the fringe, what I sort of thought the fringe was about rather than that kind of yeah. going up to get the award and getting five star reviews and all that kind of thing. And did people time come off the back of that? No, I think we'd already done people time by then actually. Yeah, we had. Oh, right. So what was the story behind people time? Cause that was a great pilot and that was a, that again, such a shame that it it only went as far as the pilot yeah that was sad i think um basically we charlie perkins who i was talking about earlier yes she used to work at this this venue called the invisible dot which oh, yes i did yes. some of my first gigs at and you know people like sheeps did the, loads of gigs and jamie did a lot of gigs there and tash did a lot of gigs there and charlie used to work there and then ah. she moved to the bbc and she was like i want to make a, a radio pilot with you guys so we, we, she kind of put us all together and then we made this radio pilot, which never aired. Um, uh, I don't know why. <laughs> In fact, I've never heard it. I've never actually heard it. And then, um, and then the BBC were like, oh, do you want to make a TV pilot? We were like, oh, that's odd because you never aired our, our radio pilot. But yeah, sure. And then we made People Time, but then they, they, they didn't give us a series. I don't really know. I mean, I think it went down quite well. So it was quite confusing, but maybe it just didn't get enough audience or whatever. But um, yeah, that was before... Because Tash and I would d- did Sexy American Girls in that pilot. Did you already know Sheeps and Claudia? I knew them from, yeah, I knew that and Claudia just from doing, just as I say, the community. Just from the, the circuit, yeah, yeah. Live. Um, there was a, definitely a community of like live performers that, and also because we were all doing like sketch and character stuff, I think we would play at similar gigs and see each other at similar gigs and all yeah. found each other funny, I think, was the linking thing that helps when you're trying to write together if you find each other funny <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely that was what i always liked about it the sketch and character seeing yeah it sounds a cliche but you're right it is a it is a community and i found everyone really really lovely and supportive and um it, it was it was just a nicer i had more fun in that in that scene i just think it's more of a it's more of a um what's the word i'm searching for um novelty 
novelty, yeah. It's more of a novelty. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's really great that you and Tash kind of formed from like two solo shows yeah. and then just trying stuff out. Like that's yeah. um, my wrong assumption was just that you had always done sketchy sort of sketch character together. No, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm wrong. I'm absolutely wrong. And this podcast will set the record straight. The answer that everyone <laughs> has been looking for. No, Tash was in another sketch group as well before she oh, really? um, was, yeah, Oyster Eyes, who were like absolutely brilliant. So sort of surreal and mad and really, really funny. And yeah, they were, when we were doing university sketch group, they were doing Oyster Eyes and it was, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. My name is Masha and I'm the crazy messed up one of the group. Am I going to leave the group? Am I going to mess everything up? What am I going to do? Smoke a cigarette, have one beers, and maybe even be so horny. My name is Smaller Rebecca and the bubbly outgoing one. Being away from home is very exciting, but also a nightmare from hell. After um, People Time, uh, you then made a web series. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the 2016 yeah. year friends um, had that sort of been bubbling away for a while or was that because people time didn't get picked up it was kind of we want to do something else yeah I think it was Liam and Jono's idea and I think that we I think it was the time that people were experimenting with web series and mm. We didn't get a series. And I think Liam and Jono were like, why don't we do this thing where each of us once a month writes like a weird thing and it's kind of got vague narrative. And and we were all like, yeah, why not? Like really, really, it was supposed to always be like really experimental. And sometimes we had more time to do them than other times. And I think you can really see that in the quality of the work. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it was like, Fucking hell, I'd, no one has spoken to each other for like six weeks and now we're all in the same room and no one knows what the hell is going on. Okay, let's action. And sometimes it's like, oh, we would actually get together and read it through and like actually write it up together. and like. But basically we took it in turns. So everyone mm. would write one and then everyone would kind of do their own edits on their little sections and then we'd kind of come together for a day and film them. Yeah. Um, but again, like Charlie Perkins made, produced that. And yeah, right. it, was, it was just supposed to be like light and fit in amongst, you know, because obviously we weren't paid for it. So it was like fit in amongst all our other work. And, you know, sometimes people were really busy. Like Jamie was sort of becoming like very, 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 he was sort of, you know, his stars were aligning that year. Yeah, so it was yeah. like hard. Whereas other, other, you know, other members of the group, me, were more committed to 2016 <laughs> year friends because I didn't have as much to do. No, um, and if it didn't go well, your life was over. Yeah, exactly. It was it was always supposed to be sort of experimental, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it was a bit lazy and kind of shit. <laughs> it's uh, it, it it's got a very uh, surreal, like yeah. rand, like very. It's very random. It's very rando. It? It's very rando. It's very rando. <laughs> it's random stuff. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit um, idiosyncratic, let's say. The fair way. It's the fair way of saying it's below par. No. <laughs> and it's funny because, like you say, um, you know, at, at the time, like obviously, you know, you say you had, you had less to do, but you are turning up in so many shows now yeah I, I think like people are now like oh god I saw you again on tv <laughs> and I'm like is that supposed 
Yeah, you, you really should be like, how cool I saw you on TV. And now it's like, thanks. The novelty can't wear off that quickly. Like, Well, maybe it does with me. Jesus. Like, no, no, that's nonsense. Too, that's nonsense. We've seen you too. We don't need to see. No. That, I, I don't know. Like, I, I personally don't feel like I'm working enough. <laughs> uh, I'd like to work more. Um, give me some, you know, some drama. I'd love to do some drama. I'd love to do, I'd love to pl- be a part in the crown, for God's sake. Actually, that brings us on to uh, the Windsors. Yes. How has it been playing this sort of caricature of, well, uh, of of this, you know, this, this royal? Is it uh, Beatrice that you play? Yeah, Beatrice. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, the Windsors is like the gift that keeps on giving because it's it's like a great, fun job. And it was one of my first jobs. And, oh, great. Um, it, you know, TV jobs. And it was very, um, you know, cool to be in a cast of, like, people that were so funny and so good. And also they allowed me to completely create the character and it's very silly and route one and one note. Like it's not hugely, it's just a posh girl accentuating her vowels a lot. But it's fun, it's stupid. And I can do it with Celeste, who's very funny. And, yeah. you know, Houston is amazing and Morgana and Harry Enfields and like all those people who are just brilliant performers. So it's like yeah, Vicky Pepperdine. Uh, that's how I met Vicky. And oh, terrific. it's, yeah, it's, it's a really fun show. Very, very fun to be involved in. How has it gone down? With, uh, with with audiences who are like perhaps you know who like the royal family. Do you know what I think? It, I think it goes down really well. Like I don't, I don't honestly. I this is not just me like me being like I don't read reviews, like I don't read tweets. But generally, I think that show gets a great reception because it's so stupid. Yeah, and I think yeah. that like it's amazing that we live in a country where we can just like completely and utterly destroy the royal family and not get like <laughs> censored for it i actually think that they do have to send the scripts to like the pr people at the palace and some stuff does get cut oh wow um but generally it's fine and i i think the royalists actually quite like it because it's not horrible and no. it's not like it's not anti royalists particularly it's just kind of stupid it's like dallas isn't it yeah kind of yeah, yeah. it's just like a heightened soap sketch show yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you met uh, Princess Beatrice? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's rushing to meet me. <laughs> and then uh, it must have been great to sort of rejoin um, Tash and Jamie and everyone doing yeah. Stathlet's Flats. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's joyful. Very joyful. In fact, I've just, we've just finished filming the third series of that. So, yeah, very exciting. That's terrific. Yeah. Again, it's that sort of the gr- group of people you'd like work you know you sort of met back at uni yeah because again it's sort of in recent recent years um you sort of seem like the um perhaps the only group that's been able to do that because it's uh it's just that was such a common path yeah say in like the you know late 90s early 2000s yeah and, and and even before then but um it's because the route is so kind of higgledy piggledy and sporadic, it's um Well I think I get it. Like I don't think, you know, it's it can be it can be controversial, you know, casting people that you know or casting your friends or not not, you know, putting the net out wide. Although Jamie has done that, you know, he's he's found great people to be in that show who he wasn't 
friends with before. But I think with comedy, it's like when you have a collective like voice and people get your humour and you're all finding each other funny. Yeah. It's it's very exciting and you know it's like a great thing to be around and also it makes you feel really like safe and able to kind of say stupid stuff and improvise and all that kind of stuff without being like oh god I don't know if people are going to find that funny yeah so and Jamie's a very like collaborative person like you can throw in a line or pitch him a line and he's like really receptive to it so that's really nice that's great yeah I think those things are always good when you can it's that balance of working with people you you know and like and also yeah. inviting new people in so it yeah. doesn't feel like a closed shop so I mean yeah yeah exactly. the very fact that Jamie's doing that is yeah but I think it's good like you know if I ever I made something on my own I would want to cast people in it who I knew mm. were funny and yeah. you know hopefully also by going down that route like discover more people who are really funny because like I got my first opportunity on TV like in Vic and, with Vic and Bob who you know Bob Mortimer came to see my show in Edinburgh and then sort of gave me the opportunity to be in their show and obviously the rest of the people that they cast were all, they were all fan they were fans mm. of theirs or they'd worked with them before but it was like he gave me that opportunity because he I don't know was like oh she could be funny in the show and That's it's like amazing. if you don't give people those opportunities they they won't you know you won't discover any new talent and it's very important final section is change of character oh yeah yeah this name has been given to you by will hartley okay the name is twep gruckley <laughs> so who is twep gruckley okay i feel like he works it's a man twep and he works in accounts and he's quite He's actually just quite boring. Yeah, he's he's got like a like slightly faded kind of beige suit and he goes to work in one of those like cubicle offices and really like begrudges his life and hates his life. <laughs> and it's just like, Twerp, can you do the, can you do these accounts and fo- folders please? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. What what does he what does he dream of? <laughs> What does he want to do? I don't think he dreams. I don't think he dreams. (laughs) I I think he just accepts that that's his life and that's his that's his worth. And then one day he just walks to the George the Fourth Bridge in Edinburgh and jumps off. (laughs) But he doesn't die. He doesn't die. He just has has both his legs amputated. Goes back to work. He goes back to work after having both his legs amputated. Yeah. Yeah. But it's got good um, disabled access, so it's fine. Yeah, and does he live alone? Who? What's yeah. his personal? He lives alone. Life? He used to. He used to live with his mum, who he called Pig, mm-hmm. but she died. And <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> she was called Bit Pig, and he was like, they would have huge rows, and he would get really angry with her. But he, when she died, it was heartbreaking for him. He really did love her. Yeah. And is yeah. he, does he have any siblings or was he an only no, child? No. Only child. Yeah. And he was a, he was a artificial insemination as well. <laughs> this is such a sad story. <laughs> yeah, not funny. You said sad, didn't you? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, sad pe- people don't want comedy anymore. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was this something he always kind of, his job, was that something he 
just fell into or was he always destined? He just didn't have any grand ambitions. Like he he knew he was an introvert. He he knew that, you know, he got bullied at school. He he I would say maybe maybe he falls into the incel category, but he's not he's not like he's not a kind of you know incel terrorist. He's not misogynist. He just kind of fell into that category. So he didn't have any grand ambitions because he he sort of thought, well, this is what I should be doing or, or what I can do. Oh my god, what am I doing? <laughs> this isn't funny. It's it's, it's just sad. It, but it's a character. You're creating a character. That's what the <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. the thing is. Exactly. He feels the universe owes him. I don't know if he I think after his mum died, he felt a little bit more like it owed him. Um but I don't think he became a vicious sort of misogynist. He yeah. more just was like, what's the point? What's yeah. the point? And is there any sort of spark of uh, hope or happiness for him? No, no, there isn't. <laughs> oh, God. And that's why I can't do live improv because I create characters like that that go nowhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, can I get, can I get a suggestion? Death is... <laughs> And, and is there any hope for him? No. That's like the one thing you're not allowed to say in improv as well. No, why? Why not? Go against. Go yeah. against the grain. You yeah. know, they, not all the characters can be happy. Exactly. This is Twep Cruckley, and he's a miserable, um, lonely, sad, disabled man. Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna get cancelled for that. <laughs> um, so. Could you please give me the name of the character you're going to pass on to my next guest? Okay, my, my character's called Carol Clit. Carol Clit. Love it. Carol Clit. Who is Carol Clit? <laughs> well, I know, I know, but he doesn't. <laughs> we shall find out on the next episode of Out of Character. In the meantime, it just leaves me to say thank you so much for being my guest, Ellie. It's been lovely having you. No, thank you for having me. Please, please edit out as much <laughs> of that as you <laughs> deem fit, which could be all of it. <laughs> you got it. And the rest I'll just keep as leverage. Yeah. Great. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks so much.